Yesterday I started reading this book, Blue Zones, by Dan Buettner. Uh, it was floating around the house. That's about these areas in the world, regions of the world, where there's an exceptionally high number of centenarians, people who live past 100. <clears throat> and the section I'm reading right now is about Sardinia, where the thing that's unique about Sardinia is that unlike every other place in the world where centenarians are mostly women, in Sardinia the, there are as many old men as there are old women. And... The reason I wanted to read about this area is, of, of the other areas is, or why it spoke to me is that this time of year I'm always thinking about Al Pirapan, the, the man who started our Christmas tree farm and who I got to know for the last 10 years of his life. He lived to 88. Um, I think died essentially of dementia that basically made it eventually impossible for him to live independently, although he died in his bed in his home, but it made it impossible for him to sort of do the daily activities, and that was genetic and in his family. And But up until 86, I would say, 87, really, it's just until the last year, I think, he was still working and still uh, still mowing the fields with his tractor, this ancient, ancient tractor, still pruning his peach orchard that he grew from casting pits into his garden and then transplanting the, the seedlings that came up and then thinning out the ones that didn't breed good peach-bearing trees because Beaches don't breed true from pits, but a certain percentage of them are okay. <clears throat> and at that point, he had really passed over the Christmas tree farm. But when I met him at 78, he was still working in the Christmas trees. And he had these massive hands and this real strength. He was a school teacher for much of his life. He taught shop and agriculture. Um... But he always had the Christmas tree farm since he was a young man and and moreover just worked and worked and worked on the land. His family, I think he was the second generation from Italy, and there was more than a little bit of Italian peasant in him uh, in the way he approached things. It wasn't, there's was something sort of slightly European flavored in, in the foods he wanted to eat and the way that he gardened and the way that he thought about himself and his relationship to the land. And the other part of him was sort of classic New England Yankee farmer. But as I said, sort of a mix of that with an Italian peasant. It was really interesting to see him and the life that he had built. He built two additional houses on the 25 acres that he owned himself, by himself. And I remember one of the first years we lived in the farmhouse, there was this huge barn there, and there was a big snowstorm. And Al showed up knocking at our door the next morning and said, all right, let's go shovel off the barn roof. And I said, what? And he said, oh, yeah, we got to shovel it off. Otherwise, I'm worried the barn will collapse. This is too much snow. So we climbed our way up through the cupola 
where he dismantled one of the louvers that he'd built the previous summer when he rebuilt the cupola. And we tied ourselves to ropes around our waist and tied ourselves to the cupola and then went out with shovels and shoveled our way down. And the trick, as he said, was not to get too close to the eaves because he didn't want to start a, a snowfall. And anyways, the snow at the eaves was better supported by the walls and not a concern. And we shoveled off two-thirds of that barn roof by hand. Um, it was crazy. And he must have been 80 at the time. This reminds me very much of the stories I'm reading about these old men in Sardinia who continue to work and continue to be sort of physically active, not heroically physically active, but moderately physically active right through their life. And, and get their, their health and their physique from the work that they are doing on the land and the walking that they're doing. And just doing things a more laborious way, perhaps, you know, not, not substituting machinery for their effort at every opportunity. <clears throat> and I have to say, that's what I want to be. I want to be like Al. You know, I want to, I want to die in my home. I want to live to an old age having worked at work that is meaningful and satisfying to me. Um, Al also built these benches out of, these rustic benches out of big slabs of wood that he cut with an Alaskan sawmill, which is just a sort of guide that you run your chainsaw along, along logs that he found at the side of the road. And when he was younger, he basically filled this big barn, or several of the bays of it, with big stickered piles of slabs of wood. He had a planer in one end and drifts of planer shavings. And he essentially secured for his old age the means of continuing productive work right up until he couldn't, you know, run the machinery anymore. And so it seems to me like there's... Uh, there's two major, three major factors in the successful old age, aside from the genes and the specifics of their diet, which I'm not going to try and duplicate, but <clears throat> the three things that I think are worth everyone thinking about is one is having a connection with your community, your family, your friends, um, and, and having that richness in your life. And that's certainly something that uh, it's impossible to say if our daughters will want to stay around us, but we're, we're doing everything we can to make it so that they feel like they would want to stay living around us. Um, and certainly they've grown up knowing their grandparents. And I think that there's a great, a greater chance if you grow up knowing your grandparents that you want to duplicate that. <clears throat> with your own children. And, and so, and so I hope that they will. And certainly, as I've talked about in, maybe it was yesterday's episode, having family nearby is, is one of the 
one of the richest, most meaningful parts of our life. And, and the sacrifices that we made to our careers to make that choice to live where we want to live rather than do exactly what we wanted to do when we were in our 20s um, is something that I feel is paying off now and will hopefully continue to pay off. The other thing is uh, moderate physical exercise. It's tied to um, that's tied to sort of daily life patterns. It's not just exercise that you do for exercise's sake. So in this I would <clears throat> include having dogs that you have to walk every day. That certainly introduced a tremendous amount of exercise to my life that I otherwise wouldn't get in the form of walking. And um, and things like having a wood stove, so you're moving firewood and processing firewood and having a bit of meadow so I have to mow it and having chickens so you know, I'm mowing the meadow and bringing the grass clippings to the chickens and I'm having a garden so you're, so you're working in a garden. That sort of just tending to the, to the landscape and if that landscape can be part of the richness of your life, so much the better. This, the goal for me has never been some sort of purity of I want to do everything for myself. It's not that. It's about... It's about these connections and about making our our home landscape have these meaningful, purposeful reasons for activity. Because it's certainly possible to strip your home landscape down completely of these of the need for purposeful activity. And then you just end up with leisure and then you end up with... Uh, a life that does not support this kind of moderate exercise and you have to go out of your way to include it in other ways. And that's always seemed, um, well, insane to me and not something that I would be good at or want to do. So I recognize that my own longevity, given my personal psychology, requires me to have these things because I'm not going to go out of my way to go for a hike. Um, I want to get my exercise from moving logs from, you know, the edge of the woods over to the wood pile. And then the third thing that I'm that I am thinking a lot about is about having settled work, about having purposeful, meaningful work into your old age. I've long thought that I didn't want to have the kind of work that I wanted to retire from. I didn't want a career that I was looking forward to the end of. But more than that, I don't want to have a, a career that I retire from and then have a second act. I have, since I was a kid, I've admired the way that artists and writers seem to get to do what they love right up until they die. And, and I wanted that. And, but I also have come to admire how farmers and crafts people have that also, and yet it also is tied to a more physical lifestyle. And so what I'm setting up for myself and what you can really see is that I'm, 
I'm setting up both. I want to be an artist and a writer and a craftsperson and a farmer. I want all four of those things so that I have all of the meaning that comes from these activities going forward in my life and growing and enriching as I get old. I don't want just one. I want all four. And I think that that affords me the best chance of having a life that I never want to retire from and having the flexibility to not, well, not having the stress of one of them being the main thing that then gets brittle and and adds stress to my life and maybe peters out without my control. I think if I push all forward of all four of those things forward in time, then I stand the best possible chance of essentially never having to retire from the things that I love. And the key is, of course, to make sure that you're doing them in a way that you love doing them so that they're not something that's burning you out. But that's the goal. And, you know, the goal is not to live to 100, although I'll take it. And I certainly have the genes for it. My great-grandmother lived to 102. Grandparents on the other side lived to 88 and 93. My grandmother who's living is 94. So maybe she's 96? God, I can't remember how old she is. Um, At any rate, certainly have the genetics for it. Um, But the goal, I would say, is to have the kind of life that I am happy to be leading in the moment and um, and that doesn't need to change too much as I get older that I can continue to find enriching and don't have to give up because I can't physically handle it anymore. It's interesting to think about and I welcome the prompt to think about Al who I think about this time of year every year in part because it's when he died. And in part, that was how many years ago? Five years ago? And in part because um, in part because I'm starting up the Christmas tree farm this time of year. Wrapping up the spoon carving and then going to the farm and getting all the ducks in a row, getting my inventory so I know what to order for wreath tying materials and doing a bunch of work on the land, clipping back, brush, that sort of thing. And it makes me think of him and his enormous hands and the way that he would uh, squire away the cabbages that he grew in a dimple in the ground that he would line with a tarp and then cover with leaves and another tarp and haul out in the middle of winter, totally fine. And and it makes me, in, in many ways, want to be like him. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk tomorrow.